Um, So tonight's Bible reading comes from Psalm 119, and it can be found on page 400, I mean, yeah, 495 in front of, in the pew Bibles in front of you, or on the screen behind me. We're not reading at all. Um, This first chapter is just verses 1 through to 16. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will, pro- I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider all your ways. I delight in your decrees, and I will not neglect your word. Yes, so this is our second half of our Bible reading and our final half. Um, It's starting at verses 33 and going to 40. Teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How long, how I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, preserve my life. Friends, we are going to approach this part of God's word together. Uh, And it's a beautiful thing that we get to do this week in, week out. Do have Psalm 119 open in front of you. I'm going to pray, and then we'll explore it together. Our good and our gracious God, we thank you for your word. And tonight, as we look at your word, as we talk about your word, please, by your spirit, bring it to life in us. I ask that my words are yours. Spirit, you're at work, uh, whether we're here in the room or across the screen. Please transform us more into likeness of Jesus as a result of looking at your word tonight. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we all have stories. And we all have stories which are far more about the journey than the destination. Uh, These are the kind of stories that you'll bring up at family gatherings or the kind of stories you bring up when you're gathering around your mates around the dining table. The stories that far more about the journey than the destination. It might be stories of camping trips that were a delight or they've gone wrong. It may be when you've gone driving and then someone's taken a left and they should have taken a right and you ended up crossing the Harbour Bridge or something. It may be you've gone hiking and it's wind and it's rain. It may be something totally different. It may be the journey of how you came to live in Australia. Maybe the journey of how you met your partner or got the job that you had. Something where you're on a journey through life and it's far more about the journey than it was about the destination. Because it's the unexpected turns. 
It's the, the good and the bad and how we respond to them that make it memorable. And it's in these journeys, there's something that, that held us. Something, whether it's subconscious or conscious, that, that kept us going through it. Now, in our faith as Christians, we are on a journey. Now, we do very much care about the destination. We are fixed on the destination that we're going to. Christ's return, the new heavens and the new earth, the kingdom of God coming in full. But in this moment, right now, we are not there yet. We are on a journey. And we're on a journey of faith. We want to follow Christ and have deep, rich relationship with God. We will be on about the kingdom of God expressed here on earth as it is in heaven. But as you and I, as we go on that journey, sometimes we get sidetracked. Sometimes we want to turn around. Sometimes we get led astray. And so we need help as we go on that journey. Now, we're blessed that we live this side of Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit who helps us in that. And this psalmist also helps us as we go about this journey of faith. Now, as we read Psalm 119, there is so much going on in it. But one thing that kind of holds it all together is it's kind of like a huge journal entry of someone who's on the journey. Someone who's on the journey of faith and what it looked like for them to do it faithfully. Psalm 19, it's not, it's not the answer to life's questions. But it rather is a person who just meditates on the word of the Lord, who meditates on the scriptures and sees how it is that the word of God applies to every season, every moment, every aspect of life. And so that's what we're going to explore together. And as we do that, Psalm 119 has the potential to transform our relationship with God by changing the way that we view and use God's word. We want to know the right way to live. We want to know the best, the good, the good life. We need to meditate and to live out God's word. God's word is central to our journey of faith. Now, there's no really easy way to approach Psalm 119. I was doing a bit of research for it, obviously, this week. And um, there was this pastor in the 1600s named Thomas Menton who did 190 sermons on Psalm 119 over three years. Right? There's a lot going on uh, in this psalm. Now, that's not going to be our approach today. Uh, we're going to look at it, in a sense, overall, and then pick out a few particular strong themes that come through. It's going to be a bit like, you know, when you go to Christmas or a work party or some significant event, and there's a huge smorgasbord of things. We're going to look at the smorgasbord of Psalm 119 and hopefully go, wow, isn't God's word amazing? And then as we go, wow, we look at it overall, we'll pick up a couple of things and we'll just taste test along the way. And our focus is going to be looking at the journey of faith, how it is that we should view and know God's word, and then how it is that we should use it. And then by knowing it and using it, as the spirit makes it alive in us, uh, God will transform us. That's our direction. With me? Yeah, good. All right, so we begin. Psalm 119, how it helps us in our journey of faith. First, we're looking at how, we, how it promotes us to seek and to know God's word. And to do that, we look at the psalm overall. All right, this is looking at the smorgasbord in one big go. Now, there's two aspects to consider about the psalm overall. The first one is that this psalm is actually one huge acrostic poem. Does that ring a bell to anyone? Primary school English, acrostic poems. It's where 
Uh, each line starts with a particular letter that might spell something. In this case, uh, this psalm follows the Hebrew alphabet, right? It's our A to Z. So if you have a look, you've got these Aleph, Beth, and these funny little like, characters it looks like. That's the Hebrew alphabet. And so the first eight verses all start with the A. The next eight all start with B, and it goes all the way through. Now, English Bibles don't capture that, but that is actually what's going on in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, it's the A to Z. The second thing to note about this psalm, and if, we, if you did read it this week, you would have picked it up, even a little bit through the readings, is that it's all about God's word. Consistently throughout, it's the consistent theme. It's like a drumbeat that just runs through Psalm 119 again and again. Now, it's not possible to have like one key overarching verse um, that really defines it, but one that does it the best, perhaps, is verse 97, which says this. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Now, in the, the psalmist's love for God's word, he doesn't just use God's word each time. He actually gives eight different words uh, to describe it. So you, you have them on the screen there. Uh, in the brackets, it's how many times it got used. So Torah, that means like the teaching and instruction. Statutes, so you imagine like we have our own, you see a statue. Now, obviously, they die out, but the statute is something that remains there forever. Law, word, decrees, commandments, precepts, and promises. There's 176 verses. 172 of them include at least one of those words. The psalmist is going, what are all the ways I can describe how God reveals himself? What are all the ways that I can describe how God speaks? And I'm going to celebrate them and talk about them and meditate on them. Because he's not just talking about um, like the Ten Commandments. Or Leviticus, the law. He is talking about that. But he's also talking about the stories. He's talking about Moses and Joshua and the judges. He's talking about the other Psalms. He's talking about the wisdom literature. He's talking about the prophets. He's going, what are all the ways God reveals himself? And that is what I'm going to meditate on. That uh, is what I'm going to write about. And as he does that, it reveals God's character. There's this great quote by a person named Timothy Ward. He says this, God's word is the primary means by which God presents himself to us in such a way that we can know him and remain in faithful relationship to him. God's word doesn't begin God's, our relationship with us, but it helps us maintain and enjoy our relationship with him. So why is those two things significant? Having an acrostic poem and it all about God's word. What the psalmist is doing there is he's capturing that God's word is complete. That God, God's word covers and connects and touches on and transforms every part of life. God's word is the A to Z of life. Now, is that how you think about God's word? Is that how we would think about God's word? Applicable to every circumstance that you can find yourself in. Every season, every moment. Now, I know for myself, and I know we're chatting with many of us, is that we're so tempted to, to not view God's word that way. We look for answers and wisdom in our self-help books or maybe a wise counsellor or a trusted friend. We look in our TikTok stream, our Instagram stream, something like that. And sometimes that is good. Sometimes that is helpful. But Psalm 
119 thrusts upon us that God's word is the true, truest and complete form. It touches on every aspect of life. It is the most important thing. And if that is the case, the psalmist is saying, okay, if God's word is this, I'm going to treasure it above all else. And then I'm going to meditate on it. He says this in verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. Other translations will say, I've stored up your word or treasured your word in my heart. Meaning I'm going to get it and I'm going to shove it deep into my soul, into my being, so I can know God and have it transform me. Now in practice, in real, like day-to-day living, what it looks like to hide God's word in your heart is to memorize and to meditate on the word of God. Now for you and I in 2024, memorizing seems very old-fashioned, especially for God's word. Why would we bother trying to memorize God's word? Like God's word has never been in like its physical form more accessible than it is in this moment of our life. I think probably every single one of us in this moment has a smartphone and you can rip it out and you can find any verse you like or you can remember like a fragment of a verse, you type it in and you find it. So what's the point? Why would we still need or why would God encourage us to hide his word in our heart? One writer says this, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. The single practice more rewarding, practically speaking. That guy was Chuck Swindoll. I want to offer you two reasons why. Two reasons why memorizing scripture is helpful. Number one, his word guards our hearts. Guards our hearts from falling astray, guards our hearts from thinking the wrong thing, guards our hearts so we can continue walking the right way. Like let's say, for example, in temptation. Now, not necessarily you want to go sleep with the neighbor's spouse. Not like that. Or you want to rob a bank or whatever. We know, don't do those things. But more the temptations that are mission killers or the temptations that are maturity killers. It might be things like when you're afraid or when you feel all alone or when you wonder, does God really exist? Am I really a child of God? Or about when you fear. I fear what I'm stepping into. I fear what others might think of me. I fear failure or whatever it may be. The Spirit of God, he applies the word to us in those particular moments and those situations so that we can joyfully persevere. When we meditate on it, we memorize it, God is going to guard our heart through his word. The second thing is that God's word shapes our heart. Now, the Spirit applies God's word to us and shapes us into the likeness of Jesus. And memorizing scripture has been essential in that pattern, that life-giving practice for spiritual growth. It gives us exceptional assurance day in, day out, in all moments of our day. Now, Dallas Willard, you may have heard of him. He's, uh, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he's one of the leaders and greatest influences on spiritual disciplines or rhythms or practices. Uh, he wrote about all of them to a great degree. And he said this, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual, trans- to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is the fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. So friends, can I let God's word encourage you? Hide God's word in your heart. Memorize a verse. 
Go back to a verse that you've previously memorized. Perhaps memorize something from Psalm 119. I've had the blessing of thought, and I'm committed. I'm going to memorize Psalm uh, verses 33 to 40. You want to learn a verse with someone? You can learn that one with me. You don't have to learn that one, but learn something. Get with a friend. Decide, okay, let's memorize whatever it may be. Memorizing scripture will guard your heart. It will shape your heart and ultimately help us to continue to grow and persevere on our journey of faith. That's the initial overview. Now we're going to move into the psalm in a bit more particular details. And in our journey of faith, we must learn to love and to obey God's word. Now in this part, this is going to be a bit more of the, the taste testing of the smorgasbord of, of Psalm 119. And we're going to see throughout how the psalmist, he loves and how he delights in God's word. Now I've picked out four verses here. There is tens of them. There's so many. Uh, I've just picked out four. Uh, just let these wash over you as I read them. 20. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. 47. For I delight in your commands because I love them. 72. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. When I read that one in particular, wow, the most precious thing that this psalmist could think of. We don't have bars of silver or gold, but we know. Think of the most precious thing to you. God's word, more precious than that. Like That's an incredible kind of concept. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. This psalmist is saying, I don't just hear, I don't just know God's word. I'm experiencing it. Like, you know, honey or food, we'll just go with honey. I can tell you that honey is sweet. But it's, you don't know its sweetness until you taste it. Until you consume it and that sweet honey nectar just falls upon your tongue. Then you know it's sweet. And the psalmist is saying, I am in God's word and it is sweeter than honey. Like, this is the delight. This is the emotion that this psalmist is bringing up. He's just loving on God's word in all the ways he possibly can. Uh, he loves it above all things uh, and nothing compares. And he knows it's drawing him into understanding God rightly and into right relationship with God. Dennis Tucker, he said this, We love God's word not just because it's a mirror that allows us to understand um, what we have to get right with God, but it's a window that allows us to see who God is and what he has done. And when we see who God is and what he has done and who we are, if you're a Christian, that you become in Christ, you're an adopted child of God, when we know that, we will continue to pursue him. That's where the treasure is found. Now, the next aspect to point out is because this psalmist, he loves the Lord, he loves his words so much, so I'm going to obey and follow that's how his love, in a sense, gets expressed. Now, it's not very fashionable to talk about obeying and following, uh, submitting to some sense of authority. Uh, but listen to the psalmist here. Verse 8. I'll obey your decrees. Do not utterly, they do not utterly forsake me. Verse 30. I have chosen the way of faithfulness, and I've set my heart on your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I've taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. The psalmist is going, I've committed to the Lord once, and I'm going to continue that commitment. I'm going to continue chasing after him. I will continue to follow and obey. 129, your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. 
167, I obey your statutes for I love them greatly. The psalmist is saying, okay, I'm not going to pick and choose. I'm not going to pick and choose, okay, this part of God's word I'll follow, this part I won't, this part I'll agree with, this part I won't. He's saying, no, I'm going to have all of it. And friends, if we don't agree with or don't want to follow all of God's word, if we will say, okay, I'll follow this part, but not that part, what we're doing at that point is saying, okay, I'm God and he's not. God has given us all of his word. And he said, this is what you are to follow. This is um, what it looks like to be one of my people. But we also follow God's word. Why? Because, yes, yeah, it's, it's what God has called us to do. But God's word is also beautiful. God's word is good and God's word is true. Nothing else will compare. And friends, we know learning to love God's word is not going to happen overnight. We become a Christian in a moment, but then learning the way, learning to follow in the way of Jesus happens across our lifetime. It's a daily pursuit. We need to fight our busy schedules, fight the apathy that rises up within us, to fight our distracted minds, fight the stubborn hearts that are in us, walk in step with the Spirit. Because as we do that, the result is pure gold. What's been resonating with me as I've been meditating on this psalm over the last little while is just love and obey God's word. Yes, that is hard. I need constant encouragement, constant repentance, turning back in faith, walking with the Lord, experiencing his love and his grace. We learn to do it. And in the journey of faith, the psalmist is confident in his experience that indeed the best and indeed the only way to live is according to God's word, to obey and to follow. And so in this moment, we haven't talked about, spoken about specifically those things. But just if you're a Christian in this moment, are there things in your life that you know you're not obeying God in? Maybe there's an unrepentant sin. Maybe there's a, a relationship that you have with someone where you know you need to begin towards forgiveness and reconciliation. Maybe you know the good that you ought to do when you're not doing it at the moment. Maybe it's justice that you need to start pursuing. Maybe an idol that you know you need to tear down. God doesn't say, oh, I've given you these, these ways to follow because he's got some power trip or because he's like, oh, this is going to be cool for them to do. He needs nothing from us, but he gives us his word because it is good for us and it's good for our societies and it is good for the communities that we live in. When we live our God's word as his people, as a community, it is expressing an aspect of the kingdom of God at hand. That is how we can journey on the road of faith together. And then this brings us to the next part of the psalm. Next way of looking at it. Having explored how we know and how we seek God's word, to then loving and obeying. I want to give a couple of things about how we use God's word. What does it look like to use God's word in practical, daily ways? And I want to touch on uh, three things. What we've looked at before, in a sense, is how you use God's word, but three quite practical ways about how we can use God's word in daily life. The first one is that we can use God's word uh, to show us the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom and understanding. Now, if you have memorized something of Psalm 119, you probably know this verse, which is verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, friends, when do you need a lamp? You need a lamp when you can't see. When our unaided eyes do not know the way 
the way forward. We need a lamp to be able to go through the path. The psalmist is saying, life without God and his word is darkness. We cannot navigate life. It is so dark without his unaid, without his unaid wisdom and his word. Now, two nights ago, I was uh, going into my bedroom. Liz was on the night shift, so she wasn't in there. And I thought, oh, I'll just walk to the, the lamp and, and turn it on, not the main light switch. And I forgot there was stuff left on the floor. I forgot there was a fan there. And I walked in, smashed into the fan. I broke it. I stubbed my toe on the bed. It was a bit of a disaster. Right? I needed the light on. And friends, we need God's word if we want to continue to walk in this world, the journey of faith. Because if we go about life without God, without his word, we will go astray. We will walk off the path. We will get hurt. We will hurt others. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Of course, it doesn't tell us exactly what to do in every moment, in every particular situation. But as the Spirit applies the word, as we talk about it in community, we're given the wisdom to know how to approach each situation in life. Or we know the person who is with us every, situ- every moment in every situation in life. God's word gives us wisdom. The second thing is that God's word gives us, well, helps us to fight temptation and to fight wayward living. Now, sometimes we wonder and sometimes we stray. And I wonder, have you asked, how do I stop sinning? How is it that I can live a pure and holy life? I know I've asked myself that many times before, and I've heard people ask those kind of questions. The psalmist asked that exact question, verse 9. And for those of us that are a bit younger, particularly resonates. Verse 9. How can a young person... Stay on the path of purity by living according to your word. Now, of course, that doesn't, doesn't apply to a young person. It applies to all of us. But how can a person stay on the path of purity, living according to your word? Now, when I read that, I thought, what a cop-out. Of course, you want to follow God's word and read his word. But what was I expecting? What actually would it look like to follow God? Well, then follow his word. Light and darkness cannot coexist together. If you're in deep in the word of God, walking in step with the spirit, he will, through us, be able to slay the temptations. Christ will look so much greater than whatever it is that we're tempted towards. God's word will help us to fight the temptations because it is deep within us. Following verse 9 is verse 11. Hidden the word uh, in our hearts so that we will not walk in sin. And the psalmist, more than that, he said, I don't just want to stop sinning. I want to pursue godliness. In verse 37, he says, Turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me life in your ways. One of the problems that you and I have is that the worthless things of this life look incredibly attractive. They look shiny and we want them. The psalmist feels the exact same thing. That's why he's saying, Help me to turn my eyes away from worthless things and turn them towards you, my God, and your word. For most of us, the greatest enemy that you and I are going to have towards hunger towards God is not going to be X-rated videos. It's going to be the prime time dribble that we watch. It's going to be the constant scrolling on our screens. It's going to be just the things that lull us into apathy. 
the things that we trade for the treasure of God, for earthly things that are fleeting. Good for a moment, yes, but then fleeting. When we soak ourselves in the word, we will turn our eyes from worthless things because we will see them as worthless. And we'll be able to fight the temptations and live the life that God is calling us to live. This brings us then to the third thing, the third way that God's word uh, can be used in daily life. And that is that it helps us to live in freedom. To live in freedom. Verse 45 says this, I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. In other words, he's saying, okay, as I follow God's rules, as I obey him, as I stick within his boundary, as I put on myself the restrictions and the way that he says, when I do that, I am free. Now that sounds so counterintuitive. That sounds like the opposite. That sounds repressive and oppressive to us. What restriction and boundary will bring freedom? Now one game that I enjoy but I kind of suck at is golf. Any other golf people around? You're not owning up to it. I know you are just as bad as me. But the frustrating thing about golf, but also the good thing about it, is that if you want to hit a ball really well, you've got to obey a whole bunch of rules that you've got to do with your body. A whole bunch of things. Straight arm here, shoulders locked there, rotate your hips at this point, eye on the ball, keep this club for this thing, this club for that thing, don't go in the bunker, don't hit the trees. There are so many rules, so many things to do. But when, as a golfer, you do all those things and you strike the ball, it flies exactly where you want every time. Friends, when we obey, when we follow God's word, it brings freedom. Because God created us, he knows us, he loves us, and he says, this is the way to live. This is my way, the way. You walk my way, you will walk in freedom. And so that's the third use. In our journey of faith, as we follow in the way of Jesus, as we follow his word, knowing it, seeking it, obeying, following, loving and and following, God's word is central. However, in Psalms, this is not the end of the story. And if we were to leave the sermon here at at this point, for the most part, we would have just chucked an enormous burden on you. Because this is, in a sense, impossible to completely follow. And if relationship with God is only and all about this, it would crush us. The beauty is that the word of God became flesh. That the word of God became human. Jesus When we read in the beginning of John's gospel, familiar words to us, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the only person who lives out this psalm perfectly and he is the one who embodies this psalm to its fullest. He's actually the one who the psalmist is ultimately talking about. Jesus embodies the psalm perfectly. And so perhaps as you read this psalm, if you were to meditate on it, there may be a sense of guilt or a sense of shame that washes upon you because of, wow, I can't be like this psalmist. It's enticing and beautiful and I want that, but man, I can't do it. So praise God for Jesus. 
Praise God that Jesus came, that he embodies that for us. Because we are all lawbreakers. We're all rebels in some way, shape or form. But thanks be to God that we are now delivered through Christ. That we are now the adopted children of God. There is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And so we rejoice. We celebrate. And then we embrace the relationship that we have with God. And then we go and follow and obey. In the journey of faith, we are pursuing a relationship with a personal and a living God. We are not just pursuing the word for the word's sake. We're pursuing a relationship with God. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to which people can be an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, they may taste and know the inner sweetness of God himself in their core and the centre of their hearts. Because we know Jesus, because we can know Jesus through his word, we chase after the word of God. This is how God primarily reveals himself. Through the spirit, this is how we can relate with God. And so the thrust of this psalm still hits us. The thrust of the psalm of meditate on the word of God. Allow God's word through the spirit to transform us. So friends, please continue to meditate on the word of the Lord. Not just read it. Yes, read it. But pray, read, pray again, meditate on it, talk about it. Have it soak over you. If you have a Bible reading plan or devotional, keep going with that. If you don't have one and you're like, oh, I've got this one I'd like to start, start that one. If you want to start one in the um, outlines that you've got, on the back of it is one for Psalm 119. And so for the next 21 days, well, in 21 days we have our vision launch. And you can read through one stanza at a time and we'll get to our vision launch together. Now, if you've got a good memory and good mass, 22 minus 21 is one. I've left out a stanza. We'll just put that at the end. Do two stanzas in one go at the end. I'll be doing it for the next three weeks. So if you want to do it with someone, you can do it with me. Do it with one another. Encourage one another in meditating on God's word. Friends, I do want to be like the psalmist. And I trust if you're a Christian or perhaps you're not, you're like, I want what this psalmist has. We need to chase after God's word. And more than being like the psalmist, I want to be like the one the psalmist talks about. I want to be like Jesus. And so I want to be deep in God's word. I want to be able to say, as the psalmist says in verse 30, 72, that the law of your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. To hunger for it and feel the pain of not having it when I don't. I want God to be my delight. To have his word transform me every day. To walk in the freedom that he offers. So friends, meditate on God's word. Yes, do it by yourself, but do it with one another. Do it in, in community. In our journey of faith, we're following after Jesus. And as we follow him, as we obey his word, we enjoy and participate in the life that he offers us. In the journey, yes, we need to learn to love learn to follow, learn to use. But we're so incredibly blessed that Jesus has come. That we don't need to follow this to be in relationship. We follow God's word to enjoy that relationship and then to live out the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. To be a bit of a trailer, to be a blessing to the community around us. And as we do that, we will find the joy. Others will be blessed and God will get the glory. 
So friends, let's continue to chase after God uh, through his word together. Let me pray. Father, we are incredibly thankful for you. We're thankful that you revealed yourself in your word. And Father, we are sorry for the ways that we don't value it uh, in the way that is available to us. We're sorry for the way that we pursue other things and not you. Father, we're thankful that you're a gracious God, first in giving us the word, secondly in not taking it away, and thirdly in applying it to our life. Through your spirit, may we relate with you, may we walk as Jesus did, and Father, may you get the glory, and may many, many, many people come into a relationship with you as a result. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.